So as promised, Louisville has re, uh, released the body cam footage of C.J. Galloway and Nicholas Witt, uh, the two officers who responded to the uh, mass shooting at the uh, Old Bank building earlier this week. Uh, C.J. Galloway, he is the police officer who actually took down the shooter, and Nicholas Witt is the uh, rookie police officer who literally graduated from the academy less than two weeks ago. He's the one who was shot in the head uh, responding to it. And uh, just like the the Nashville body cam footage, I'm blown away at uh, the uh, courage and the calmness of Officers Galloway and Officers Witt, just like I was with uh, Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo in Nashville. And I, like I said, I, I, I think when there's a story about police acting badly and abusing the citizens that they're supposed to protect, I think it's important to bring that to light. Uh, and I also think it's important to bring, bring to light when police officers go above and beyond and act heroically. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, if you haven't seen the body cam footage, um, the Nicholas Witt body footage is is brief because they cut it off after he gets shot. And last I heard, he's still in the hospital in, in critical but stable condition. C.J. Galloway, um, his body cam footage, number one, the guy, the guy was knocked down by a bullet. The guy was knocked down by a bullet. He got back up. And in the security camera footage, um, it's eerie because there's a couple of minutes where he is taking cover um, behind, like, uh, I guess I can only describe it as, as like a concrete partition between a, a couple of steps leading up to the building. And it, it seems like this, this shooter did his research because he kept saying that uh, he's got an angle on the police and it's being reported that he's in an ambush situation. So there's a couple of minutes where Officer Galloway is taking cover, and he's either trying to get an angle on the shooter or he's waiting for backup. And what what struck me was this really odd juxtaposition between the chaos of the moment of what was happening and the eerie stillness, almost calm, there were, you could hear uh, police sirens in the background, but the streets were mostly empty. Probably, they were probably closed down because of reports of an, of an actor, active shooter. And so, uh, Officer Galloway, he uh, was finally able to get an angle on the shooter. And uh, just like that, the incident was over. Um, once, he, once he hit the assailant... He yelled assailant down, and he started uh, yelling to tend to the officer, Nicholas Witt, who was um, C.J. Galloway is being described as his training officer, I'm guessing, since uh, Officer Witt just recently um, graduated from the academy. He was still, he was still in training. Um, and, and you can only imagine the psychological impact that this has, has on the police officers. I mean, obviously... Um, they're dealing with life and death. Um, Officer Galloway did take down the shooter, but you know, he, he also, he also, that, that was a person he had to kill. He had no choice 
but I still uh, I, I still would imagine that that takes a heavy psychological toll. That on top of seeing the kid that he's been training shot in the head down on the ground. So um, C.J. Galloway, I, I I'm sure he will get the the keys to the city or or some kind of uh, comparable reward for his heroism. But I hope once his story fades, um, you know his 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 mental health is made a priority uh, because I that's that's a silent epidemic with police officers and we don't think about that because you know we think of uh, police officers as as brave and heroic which they are but they're also human beings and they deal with stuff we can't even imagine. Um, more information coming out about the shooter himself, the 20 something, uh, the 20 something, uh, new college grad. Like I said, uh, I'm not going to say his name. Don't even, didn't even learn his name. Um, but, uh, reports are coming out that he came down with, with depression. Uh, he was, he, he, he was afflicted with, with depression. I apologize. Don't know if he was being treated, but I don't know if, if depression would raise a red flag with a red flag law. Uh, I know in the state of Tennessee, their Republican governor out there is uh, is calling on the legislature uh, to expand uh, red flag laws. And based on uh, what they did to those two ousted uh, lawmakers um, last week, um, I, I'm not optimistic. But at least kudos to that governor for 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 breaking with uh, you know party ethos, so to speak, and and calling for something to be done. Um, also. Um, this shooter, he bought his, uh, um, they're calling it a rifle, a rifle type weapon. I don't have any more information on that and I don't want to, uh, make any assumptions on the type of weapon, but, but he, he, he got it legally. And of course he got it legally because other than the fact that this guy was battling with depression, which a large, um, uh, a, a large, uh, per, uh, percentage of our population also, uh, deals with, um, Everyone's saying that there's there is there is no indication that this guy was even capable um, or or even really thinking about doing this. So I'm at a loss. You know, normally you can go through you can go through kind of these warning signs and say, oh, well, that should have been caught. That should have been caught. Um, but there's there there's nothing glaring right now as of yet that uh, this young man um, would have been a danger to himself or others if he bought himself um, a high-powered firearm. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We're, we're thinking about that uh, Nick, young Nicholas Witt. Um, it turns out that his brother is also working his way through the police academy, and uh, those have to be some very proud but very scared parents, which I'm sure is very common amongst uh, police families. Here, a little closer to home, Paul Whelan is uh, is back in the news. If uh, you're not familiar with Paul Whelan, he is the Novi man who went over to Russia for a wedding a couple years ago. I want to say it was 2018. Yes, 2018, late 2018. And uh, for one reason or another, he was... Uh, he was arrested on uh, suspicions of espionage by the Russian government, and he was, he's been in a Russian prison ever since. And, of course, this is coming back into the spotlight because another high-powered 
uh, I'm sorry, high-profile American, Evan Gershkovitz. He's a Wall Street Journal reporter. Pardon me. He's been arrested in Russia. And, of course, any time uh, that somebody, that an American is detained in Russia, um, the, the State Department and the Whalen family try to get Paul Whalen's name in the, in the headlines and attach his name to um, whoever's either being detained or, or being freed because, well, um, there's a legitimate worry that he's going to fall through the cracks and never be brought home. Now, um, the uh, U.S. government is saying that this Evan Gershkovitz arrest is illegal. Um, I, I don't know if they've done the same with Paul Whalen. Um, and, and, you know, my question is, does it matter? I mean, how much leverage does the United States have to bring home these citizens without a prisoner swap? And that's got to be a very hopeless feeling for Paul Whelan and Whelan's family and any family of, of somebody who's detained in Russia. I mean, we like to think that we're the big bad United States and we can make uh, foreign governor, governments quake and do our bidding. But, uh, you know, if anything, this is a stick in the eye of the United States uh, and, uh, and, and bargaining chips for Russia to get back some of their uh, most dangerous prisoners. Um, you know, this is Shades of Danny Fenster, another journalist from Metro Detroit, um, who was detained in Myanmar, or Burma, and he was released. And, um, of course, David Whalen has been kind of the spokesperson for the Whalen family, and uh, he's been all over the news because he doesn't want his brother's uh, story to... Um, fall through the cracks, and, and and they've been pretty magnanimous up until now. Um, you know, when Trevor Reed, the Marine, was released, they their official position was, hey, we're disappointed Paul didn't get home, but uh, we're happy for Trevor Reed's family, and we look forward to our family experiencing the same joy. When Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, who was detained for, for having cannabis in Russia at an airport, she was released in a prisoner swap, same thing. Hey, we, we, we were really hoping that we could package Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan together, um, but uh, it is what it is, and, and, and we're happy anytime a citizen um, gets freed from, from Russian custody. This time, they're not being as magnanimous, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them because, um, you know, at least Brittany Griner, she was detained much later than Paul Whelan, and she was released much earlier than Paul Whelan. And I agree. You know, there's a lot of people who are mad that Brittany Griner was released. Um, I understand that anger, is, um, especially ahead of a, a bunch of other people who don't have the fame and notoriety of her. But anytime somebody is released from that kind of hell on earth, it's a good thing. Um, but David Whelan has, and the family have been going out saying that uh, the fear of his, of his twin brother being left behind was palpable, and if the United States freed another U.S. citizen without freeing their brother, um, it would be a stunning act of portrayal. Betrayal, not portrayal, betrayal. And, and, and so the Whalen family's had enough, and I don't blame them. I mean, their parents are getting older. Um, you know, Paul, uh, there's... Uh, there, there's talk that Paul Whelan is not being treated very well. Um, the, the term meatball surgery has come up more than once. And um, there's also this war in Ukraine that, that's a concern that, uh, you know, Russia is getting their, uh, 
their clocks cleaned by Ukraine at the very least. They're they're getting all they can handle at at, at worst, and they're sending uh, Russian prisoners out to the front line um, because uh, they're they're running out of uh, the men in the military. And here's a story that's been kind of uh, flying under the radar a little bit. I actually found out about it uh, from all talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz that former Detroit Police Chief James Craig is mulling over a run for Senate for the uh, seat that uh, longtime Democrat Senator Debbie Stabenow will be vacating at the end of her term. And as far as I know... Um, he is the first. He would be the first major Republican name uh, to officially declare his candidacy. Of course, on the Democrat side, uh, you have uh, Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin. Uh, I believe she's from the Brightonish area, uh, Mike Rogers' old um, district before the districts were redrawn. And uh, this is intriguing. I thought that James Craig was a hell of a police chief. Obviously, he was a disaster as a gubernatorial candidate, even before the whole um, invalidated signature um, fiasco that got himself and Perry Johnson kicked off the ballot. When I first heard that uh, James Craig was running for for governor against uh, Gretchen Whitmer, I was I, I, I was excited. I like James Craig. I thought that he was a great police chief. Um you know, he, he didn't really seem to be on the political take of, of, of anyone other than public safety. He was, uh, he's pro-Second Amendment, but not in, like, the hot take, um, mobilize the base type way, in more of the practical, uh, real-world type of way, saying that, hey, uh, we're working our resp- on our response times, but our response times are still not where they should be. So if you can legally carry a gun... Uh, I would suggest that because um, be, because there might be a situation where you don't have time to wait for our police officers. Uh, he did a great job in the summer of 2020 um, when the George Floyd incident ignited racial tensions and protests uh, that, that erupted into riots ac- across the United States. Um, he actually quelled a, a large protest that may have gotten out of hand. If you remember, um, that summer, there was a suspect who was shot and killed by Detroit police. Word, uh, word of this got around, and literally as the protesters were, were, were mobilizing and about to start their march up Woodward, James Craig released the body cam photos that showed that the police officers were fired upon first, and that uh, I don't ever want to say a a shooting is justified, but it it wasn't legit self defense. The police officers' lives were in danger; they were being shot at, and within a matter of hours, Chief Craig um, he reviewed the reviewed the um, body cam footage and he sent it out, and uh, he held, held a press conference and he explained what happened, and. Um, you know the uh, the protests went on, but it became much more, uh, much smaller, and it stayed peaceful. Um, I remember I was driving home one day that summer, and I was going through Corktown because there was too much traffic on 75, and I had to stop because there was uh, a large protest walking by, and those protesters were flanked by Detroit police officers. 
um, not to keep tabs on them, but to make sure that uh, they could cross intersections safely. So I thought James Craig was a great police chief. I thought that uh, at the time I wasn't sold on Governor Whitmer. I wasn't sure what she was doing with her with her COVID response. Um, it kind of went from being heavy-handed to nothing at all once she changed uh, health uh, health directors for the state. Um, so I wasn't 100% sold on her. So when I heard James Craig was running um, to oppose her, I said, great. I said, great. We're going to have a free thinker, I'm my own man type of guy going up against Gretchen Whitmer and may the best person win. And then... It turned out, uh, it, it seemed like w- within a matter of weeks, some some super conservative think tank got their hands on, on Chief James Craig and said, hey, you got to say this, you got to say this, you got to say this. You got to hit this polarizing talking point that'll make the comments section cheer, this polarizing top uh, talking point. And uh, really, it, it seemed like he was almost a Manchurian candidate for, for the Republicans, and it seemed like he was, instead of speaking extemporaneously and, and you know, telling us what he really thought, it felt like he was reciting a book report of all the things Republicans should say. And, of course, um, he didn't even end up on the ballot because um, him, Perry Johnson, I can't remember if any of the other uh, Republican or Democrat gubernatorial candidates, well, there wouldn't be any Democrats, Whitmer's the incumbent, um, if any of the other Republican gubernatorial candidates used this same company, but uh, they were hired to go and, and, and collect a bunch of petitions to get them on the ballot, turned out a lot of the um, signatures were, were fake, and, and both him and Perry Johnson were disqualified. We know what happened. Um, but like I said, even before that fiasco, I thought that his gubernatorial candidacy was a disaster. So... Um, if he decides to run for Senate, if he runs as police chief James Craig, I might consider voting for him. If we just get the return of Republican gubernatorial um, candidate James Craig running for Senate now, probably vote Slotkin. 